I invite you to remain standing as you are able, as we share together from God's holy word today. Today we're reading together from the book of Isaiah, the prophet that is speaking to a people who are coming out of a difficult time and that are questioning what it means to live the life that God has for them what it means to live a life and to live a life of worship and of godliness that God has for them. And so let us hear what Isaiah has to say uh, from the prophet's voice. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the poor homeless into your house? When you see the naked, naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin, then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaker of evil, if you offer food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom will be like noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to live in. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And as you are, I invite you to turn with me in an attitude of prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How many of us have asked the question, what we want our lives to look like? This has been a familiar question for many over the past few years, particularly in the wake of COVID, that shook all of our lives to the core, that changed everything about them. And as we find ourselves living in this post-COVID, post-new life kind of world, many of us are asking that question. What is life going to look like now? It is the same question that the ancient people of Judah were asking in the days where the prophet, following in the passage of Isaiah, wrote this scripture. What does life look like now? For the people of Judah, they had been coming out of exile. They had come through a time when they had been scattered to the winds when their people had been conquered by the Babylonians, they no longer had the strong monarchy that they once had, where God's prophets were anointing and appointing kings over them. And they were being able to be self-sustained and separate from all of those other kingdoms. No, the Babylonians had conquered them. 
The temple had been destroyed. The monarchy had been destroyed. The people had been scattered to the winds. And now they were trying to put the pieces back together. As they had come back into the land of Judah, as their conquerors had been conquered and they were no longer living under that yoke of oppression, as they found themselves moving back and trying to pick up the pieces, trying to find a new life post-exile, post-temple, post-monarchy, they were asking that same question that we ask. What does life look like now? And for the people of Judah, they, in this opportunity for new life, were trying to grow closer to God in that new life. They wanted this new life, this new chance that they had been given to be a life of worship, to be a life that was worthy of the God who had led them out of freedom, of the God who had delivered them from captivity and provided for them and given them a monarchy and given them providence and given them all that they needed to be successful. They wanted a new life with that God. And so in effort to have this life of worship, They began to do all of the worshipful things that the law told them to do. Even though the temple was not in existence anymore, they sought to offer sacrifices, to build altars before God, to fast, to pray together, to listen to the reading of the Torah, the reading of their holy scriptures. They sought to do all of those things that gave them a life of worship, that gave them the opportunity to grow closer to God. And yet what God says is the fast that I require, the worship that I require, the life that I require is incomplete if that life does not also include justice if it does not also include care for your fellow humans, if it does not include care for the betterment of the community because love of God and love of neighbor, our relationship with God and our relationship with each other are deeply intertwined. As long as there are people that are going hungry, as long as there are people crying out for help and for healing, as long as there are systems of oppression in existence, the prophet Isaiah tells the people, a life of worship will include not only your prayers, but also your actions. Partnering with God to mend the broken strains of God's world. For the Jewish people, there is a concept that is tied up and that kind of addresses all of these issues. It is a concept in the calling for the Jewish people of tikkun olam. This is the concept and the goal which the people of Israel, God's people, are supposed to have when it seems as if the fabric of the world, like fabric torn apart, begins to unravel. 
Tikkun olam literally means to repair the world. So that when things seem to be falling apart, when people are crying out for help, when poverty seems to be thriving, when the systems of oppression and the yokes which people bear seem to be crushing some of God's people on earth, Tikkun Olam says we are to rebuild and repair the fabric of the world. Not just to repair it to what it has been in the past, but to repair and restore it better than it was before. It is as if this torn fabric of the world, we are called not just to sew back together, but to literally weave the threads back together so that the world looks more like the world that God created and intended. A world of flourishing for all of God's people. A world of fullness and life, a world of right relationships, a world where there is no more crying out for help, or there is no more homelessness, or there is no more hurting, a world where all people can experience the fullness of life with God. Now, when we look out at our world, this can seem impossible. It doesn't take much to look around us and realize that there are tattered and torn pieces of fabric all along the quilt of God's creation. It doesn't take much to look around us and hear people crying out to be heard, to see the effects of systems that make it really difficult for some people to even make enough to live off of. It doesn't take a lot to look around and see violence and hurt and hatred that exist in the hearts of so many people and that have such detrimental effects on all of us. It doesn't take a lot to look around and see tattered and torn pieces of society and feel as if the fabric can never be repaired. But the call for us, the call of Tikkun Olam, is not to repair this alone. The promise that we have in Scripture is that that is the work of God. And we just get to be a part of it. The promise that the prophet makes to the people is if you remove that yoke from among you, that is, if you work to dismantle those systems and those oppressive items and people and structures that keep people down, if you remove that yoke from among you, if you remove the pointing of the finger, which we're so good at, if you remove the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noonday. Then the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places 
and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. The promise is that your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you'll so raise up the foundation of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorers of the streets to live in. When we seek to renew and restore and repair the fabric of God's world, God is doing it with us. Because restoration and renewal, new life, that is what God is all about. For all of us, repairing what is broken in humanity and creating something new. Now, this does not mean, I don't believe that what Isaiah is saying is that God's goodness depends on us, right? If God's goodness depended on us, then we would all be in a lot of trouble. God's goodness does not depend on us, but if we fail to do these things that God is calling us to do, if we do not see the hurt and try to be a part of repairing it, if we ignore the cries of the needy in our midst, then we also ignore the cries of our own hearts. If we are not a part of rebuilding and sewing a new fabric for God's world, then we cannot fully experience repair and renewal ourselves. There's a quote from the musical Hamilton that says that we cannot be truly free until those in bondage have the same rights as you or me. What Isaiah is saying is that for these people that seek to live a life of worship, a life with God, a life of fulfillment, that their freedom and their fulfillment and their life is tied up in the lives of those around them. We believe this because in the words of Sarah Bessie, wherever there is injustice or oppression, anything less than God's attendant purposes from the dawn of creation, our God has always set his people on the trajectory of redemption. God is in that redemption and restoration business, not only for us as individuals, but for the world. God seeks for us to be a part of God's restoration and redemption and repair of a world that yes, is falling apart at the seams, that yes, is tattered and torn, but that through God's power can be made new. Through God's power, we can see restoration. One of the most beautiful illustrations of this, this concept of God's restoration and renewal and repair of humanity is at the table of God. Jesus so often sat at the table with people. People who were wealthy and people that were poor. 
people that were oppressed by unjust systems and people that were perpetrators of those systems of injustice. And at that table, in the presence of Jesus together, reparation and renewal and transformation happened. And the banquet table of God that we are invited to is a banquet table of restoration, of renewal, of new life for us and for the world. Because God longs for that fabric of the world to be restored and repaired. God longs for God's beloved community to be restored and to be made whole. God longs for a relationship with us, yes, but also for a relationship with all of God's children. And at the table of God, we see a picture of the fullness of that restoration coming down before us. At the table today, we are invited to see a glimpse of what a life of worship looks like. A life of transformation. A life where we are part of God's vision of restoration and repair and renewal. Where God is, is waiting for us. Waiting to make us free from violence and vitriol. Wait, waiting to make us free from hatred and hurt free from anxiety and anger, free from all that keeps us from the full relationship with God and relationship with other that God envisions for us. The bread which we receive, the life that we receive from God is a life of freedom, a life of worship, a life of repairing that which is broken so that by the power of God, we can be made whole as individuals and as a world. A life of worship is yes, a life with God, but it is also a life with one another, an abundant life to which we are all invited to partake today.